1: hello and welcome to this episode titled jvn and you might be wondering what jvn stands for or you might not so i'll just make things clear jvn stands for jonathan van ness but we are going to talk about so much more than jonathan van ness the person in this episode and we are going to talk about all of that with my old friend angelina imensberger welcome angelina to the show
0: It's so fun to be here.
1: Thank you so much for coming. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and your work. Uh, so, Angelina, please tell us who you
0: are. So, I'm a third year in a PhD uh, for comparative literature at the University of Pennsylvania. And I'm writing my prospectus right now. So, you tell me what I work on. It changes every day. But it's something about contemporary women writers in the U.S. about materialist conditions of literature. So that could be a book club or it could be the economic condition of the character. And it's something about socialist feminism and queer theory.
1: I guess I'll make a detour, which is an exception for our podcast. Before I ask you my first question, I would like you to explain to our listeners why we titled this episode JVN.
0: Right. So Jonathan Finesse is obviously well known for being on Queer Eye. He has a memoir out and he's very active on social media, but we're talking about him not just as a person, like you said before. But also as somebody who really embodies what I think is a new kind of doing femininity that he shares with some cis women, with some trans women and other genderqueer people, which is how Jonathan identifies. And that's also a good time to clarify pronouns, because one really interesting thing about JVN is that she uses he, she, and they pronouns. So all three are equally accurate he says that on his Instagram bio and she says that in her memoir and they say that when they talk in other contexts. So that already gives you a different setup for how femininity is done because it's completely done as a lived practice, not as a body, as a bodied experience, but not as an experience that's determined from how your body appears to you as you start to make sense of it. So by talking about JVN, we're really talking about radical ways of embodying femininity.
1: So, you know, now that we have established that, I'm going to ask you my first question. What the heck is JVN?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the short answer is, as you would put it, a thriving, beautiful light in the world who just brings a lot of joy. But that joy is very rooted in politics, both personal and Sort of public politics. She's also just sort of a pop celebrity that's very well known, not a household name exactly, but queer does have broader reach than other queer storylines for sure. And so part of it too is that it's this very radical way of being that yet is like really, really open to connect with so many people.
1: Right. So, you know, JVN represents innovation and revolution in understanding and also new ways of doing femininity. And I really like that, you know, action-oriented word that you used. I was wondering in your mind, you know, which other thinkers and your personalities you would put JVN together in a constellation, would you say?
0: So probably the former there would be Audre Lorde, mm-hmm. partly because both of them have this big commitment to self-care as a radical act, and self-care is very much connected to taking care of one's own femininity for both of them. And so this was the 1980s when she published Sister Outsider.
1: Right.
0: And then more recently, I think, Janet Mock's memoir, Redefining Realness, from about five to ten years ago, that's just really a report on her journey as a trans woman. And then if we go back to pop culture, someone who's really doing the same thing as Leverend Cox, who coined the trans as beautiful hashtag on social media? If we go into literature rather than pop culture, we can think of someone like Jean Genet, the French writer of the mid 20th century, who wrote Notre Dame de Fleur, the English title is Our Lady of the Flowers. But I think we can also go to sort of really high canonical texts like Edith Wharton's House of Mirth, where the heroine's femininity just is the means to an end, the end being marriage. and Because the end doesn't come about, the means sort of crumble on the way.
1: Just for the listeners, we are going to link all of these texts in the show notes. And this is a good point for me to ask you the next question. How do we use JVN (laughs) in our daily lives?
0: (laughs) Well, one way to use JVN in a very literal way is you can follow them on Instagram and watch a lot of content that they produce every single day that's very explicit about giving advice, and it's advice on how to raise your cats, it's advice on gardening, (laughs) but most of it is advice on politics, on understanding the world around us, and we didn't mention that there's actually also their podcast, which is Getting Curious with JVN, where she really takes on these extremely complicated topics of politics, so one way to use them is really to use them as a public intellectual that we can listen to and learn from, But moving to a more abstract level, I think we can use them for academia and for theory and sort of Mm. think about how concepts that seem like they're conservative are actually productive. So in feminist theory, femininity would usually be considered from the camp of the what we're not doing anymore because it's very much affirmative of social roles it seems like femininity if it's associated to the category woman would allow a very strict gender binary and of course that's not at all what then is doing so one use we can find is to really rethink what is a productive category and what is not
1: right and also because you brought in um, cat care <laughs> <laughs> and her podcast i haven't listened to a lot of the episodes of his podcast but i have listened to some and one of the sort of cardinal things that i really liked was the like this inflection of curiosity which incidentally also comes from queer theory this positioning of yourself as curious as a way of you know encountering the world right speaking of speaking of the world my last (laughs) question (laughs) my last question to you how will JVN save the world? And I remember that you were really excited about this question.
0: Well, because I feel like I know that in early episodes, you obviously always ask this question. And usually it's sort of like a lot of heavy lifting required to have a good answer. But in JVN's case, the answer just is yes, he will save the world. The combination of sort of everyday techniques that he gives, combined with just being an example of how you can create such a large vision for yourself, That's really inspirational. And I think what's really inspirational in and of itself, too, is that JVN speaks to so many registers, from entertainment to academia, to literature with the memoir, to podcast listeners. And I think she'll save the world by talking to so many people about the same thing. So it's not like you get a different slice of JVN, depending on what medium you consume. You always get the same JVN where elegance of moving around different audiences and talking to these people on Queer that probably would never think they could be good friends with someone who does radical femininity, but there they are. And that's such a role modeling of openness.
1: Right, and as you were talking, I was reminded of Foucault's essay on radical friendship. I think it's not an essay, it's an interview where he talks about this thing that you also hinted is that the radical potential of the very basic fact of interrelationship of friendship.
0: While we're on Foucault, I think it's no coincidence that he has that interview on radical friendship and queer friendship, but the third volume of the history of sexuality, one of Foucault's major works, is the and the care of the self so self care really is a term that Foucault worked on, right. just like j Andes.
1: no yeah absolutely and self care as self care also has a political statement against a sort of uh you know denuding of infrastructures of care on the state front and on the religion front and on the, you know, other sort of um, larger fronts. So on, on against the denuding of care on those fronts, you have this radical positioning of self-care and that's something that's really, really interesting in the line from Lord and Foucault down to someone like Jonathan Van Ness. I guess that would be like an opening for people to go and look up uh, the work that they've done and the work that they have inspired, which, of course, would include, I think, your forthcoming work, which we are all excited to see. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Angelina, for talking to us about it.
0: Yeah, This was fun. And thank you for listening to High Theory.
1: If you like our podcast, please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, or wherever you get your podcast fix.
0: Sharanik Bosu manages our social media presence. Owen Quinn composes our theme music and Kim Adams edits our audio.
1: You can also find us at hightheory.net.
0: We hope you have a highly theoretical day.